0: Hey, Freddie T. Wyatt here. I am the pastor of Real Life Church, and you are invited to join us this Sunday. If you're a regular Real Lifer, I want to encourage you, invite a friend, bring them with you this Sunday. Grant Louder, Clam Chowder, and I rock the podcast again this morning for you. We answer some questions that have come in from listeners, uh, so I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, put the seatbelt on. We we take a deep dive, but I think the Lord has been with us as we've recorded this morning. Uh, sit back. Enjoy the podcast.
1: This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at real life, you can text mission to 97000. Now enjoy
0: the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Grant Lauda chowder. Freddie T, what's up? How you doing, man? Tired. <laughs> I am tired this morning. Why are you so tired?
1: Oh yeah, I was just uh We are in the middle of trying to wean our youngest off of uh breast milk. Yes. And so when she wakes up in the night, it's dad who has to go rock her, and she hates it. So she she was up a decent amount last night. You're so. a good
0: husband, good dad.
1: So just trying to stay I'm awake. If, if I sound groggy or monotone, I'll try to be extra animated just to overcompensate. we keeping the it
0: real, baby. Exhaustion, but yeah, I uh, I was not the great in the middle of the night feeder, but I was the baby whisperer. Mm. So like you know the. Uh, our, our babies, like, right around 5 p.m. would get really irritable for, like, an hour and a half, you yeah. know? It's like, they call it witching hour. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And I I had the touch, and I the people make fun of me when I do it, but I do these, like, deep knee bends with babies. Oh, yeah. And, dude, it, it just, like, put my babies in, like, a state of hypnosis, yeah. you know? And Susan would love it and hate it. You know, she would love it because I would calm the babies down, but she would hate it because I had the touch, you know? Yeah. And, it, you know, I mean, she, she would be with them all day long. Mm. So I'm coming in fresh, you know? So it's like babies can tell when their parents are frazzled. It's insane. Right? Yeah. So when I would come in, you know, Susan's tired. She's a little frazzled. I come in with this strong, calm presence yes. knock those babies out.
1: Yeah. It's hard to have that strong, calm presence <laughs> at 2.30 in, in the morning, but we're doing it... Um and so, yeah, a little tired this morning, but... Thanks for not
0: canceling on the podcast. No,
1: I was about to, yeah. but I was like, I can't, because we've already rescheduled once this That's week. That's right. It's Thursday morning, and uh, I threw a curveball to you guys yeah. Tuesday,
0: Monday night.
1: So, can't couldn't do it twice in one week, but let's talk brain dump. Let's do it, babe. Sunday night, brain dump. I wanted to ask, any sermon titles? Who's your daddy? Oh, didn't- my
0: goodness. There were so many good sermon titles. And I started writing a few of them down. I wish I had written more of them down. I was talking to Susan about this. I was like, "Baby, like my wheels are spinning. I think I might do like a little thing where maybe through the rest of the book of maybe through the rest of chapter eight, I actually invite the congregation to name the sermon and like, let them text it in. And then like, whosoever we choose, they get like 10 bucks off at the bookstore or mm. something like that. Yeah. And uh, she's like, yeah, she's like, that would be good. You do. Not like a forever thing, but like a little dated, you know, like do that for like four weeks or, you know, something yeah. like that. But people came out of the woodworks giving me titles.
1: Do they just text you? You just get texts for maybe numbers you don't even have saved?
0: No, no, I got a, oh, no, I'm saying texting is a possible future, but okay, people came it. up to me on the spot, oh, they okay. emailed it. I did get one text for somebody that didn't have in my phone, but Susan had them, so I logged their name in my phone after that. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs>
1: that's funny. It, yeah, it was fun. Who's your daddy? I'm surprised. I would have. I would have. I would have got. I would have kept it.
0: Who's your dad? I, I did have a couple recommendations to keep it. Yeah, we ended up not giving it a title at all. That's probably it. Was yeah. just blank. It was you know, which yeah. I thought. Well, that's cool. Peaks
1: curiosity. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, who's your daddy? Maybe not reverent for Romans eight. Here, here's
0: the here's the worst part about that all. Grant is I don't even I don't even know where that's a reference from. Who's your
1: dad? Yeah, it's just a I don't know either, but it's just a colloquial yeah. In in my generation, just like a meme. Yeah. Okay. Like we, we It's would, not like
0: originated in a movie but it ha- or
1: it, it has to. I mean it yeah, has to have some, some origin. Yeah. But I, I don't right, know.
0: Podcast listeners, that's your yeah. That's your homework for the week is to send us Ho- the origination of Who's Your Daddy? Who's
1: your daddy? Yeah. Um I have this question because I'm a parent, as we just talked about. My oldest is going to turn three in January, and then obviously Sarah is one. Who That's who I was up with all night. You mentioned all three of your oldest kiddos had homecoming dates this weekend and had a blast with friends, seeing them all get dressed up. So fun. Yeah. Walk me through that as a parent, just seeing your kids, homecoming dates. Um, We didn't have big homecoming in my school. It was prom. That was our big event. You get dressed up, you get your dates, so... Give me some insight into other parents. Just what is that like seeing your kids, dates, and just entering that stage of life?
0: Yeah, it's fun. Uh, uh, It's more fun than it is nerve-wracking. Okay. You know, having to, well, it could be nerve-wracking if my daughter was interested in, like, scumbags. You know, Mm. like, if, like, if she didn't have good taste and good judgment, then the whole, like, Homecoming date thing could be. Yeah. Bad. Grant, when I was a freshman in high school, I asked this gal to homecoming that I'd grown up with. She was a pretty gal. I was super excited about taking her to homecoming. Well then she got voted queen, like freshman queen. So I thought, Oh wow, this is gonna be awesome, you know. I'll I'm her date, I'll escort her, you know. She asked someone else to uh. escort her. This was like humiliation to the 10. Did you go to a what High school? Did you go to
1: like a big Northeast public? High School? So big Eagles public High School. Okay. Yeah,
0: we were rivals with Clarksville High. Yeah, it was before Rossview existed. Yeah. certainly before Kirkwood existed. Anyways, I it, it was it was absolutely humiliating. I asked this gal to homecoming. I'm going to take her to dinner, right? Mm. And um, and then she gets another dude to escort her. I was so humiliated. Is prom
1: so, big around here, or yeah. is it mainly homecoming? Because no, where, I mean, where Lauren and I are from, homecoming was so lame.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm really surprised that so many people, uh, go to the dance. Yeah. To answer your question, my kids getting dressed up. It's a lot of fun. My Elliot showing some initiative and asking a date. That was fun. I knew Jack would go with his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Lily, uh, loved the, the guy that asked her to homecoming. He goes to church with us and, um, they all looked handsome and beautiful and it was just tons of fun to see them do that. It was, it was great. Um, but the, uh, what was the next question? Oh, homecoming. Yeah. In prom. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, what's weird is with CHS. So two things that were weird about this year, CHS and Rossview had their homecoming the same night. They shouldn't do that. Like they need to talk, right? Mm -hmm. Like administration at, CHS talk to administration at Rossview and make sure they're not doing homecoming because parents same. probably have kids in both. Well, they don't. Have, on... Well, it's not so much they have kids in both, but it's like you know they have boyf- boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, or okay. fr- just friends that want to go to homecoming with each other. Yeah, and one will go to Rossview, one you know. So then they have to pick. Well, which one are we going to mm. go to? Right. Um, the other thing that was that's a little weird with CHS is they do the dance on Friday night, like the same night as the game. Oh. Well, Rossview didn't do that. Rossview had their their dance on Saturday night and the game was on Friday night. Well, I think CHS ought to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because football players getting to the dance, it's, it's really, really hard, yeah. you know, to do that. So I think that's why it was never a thing at our school. Cause it was like right yeah. after the game yeah. or
1: something. Yeah. I'm like, no one's going to do this.
0: Yeah. Well, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot. Like if you want a good student section cheering for the game and then yeah. you've got a dance and everybody's getting dressed, you know, it's it's yeah. like do it on separate nights.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: I don't like people like sitting in the bleacher seats thinking they ought to tell me how to pastor. So yeah, it's just a suggestion. You're an armchair yeah, school right. administrator I, that's exactly right now. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm sure there are good reasons. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, okay. You said our staff team works so hard, encouraging people to take them out to dinner. Do you have anyone you want to give shout outs to? From oh my your staff goodness. Well, we'll just start with
0: Pastor Tim. Yeah. I mean, he is the energizer bunny. You know, he and Robin just had a couple weeks vacation. And I was super glad. I don't think I, t- I made it. I may have texted him one time, mm. uh, but I totally left him alone. And they had some great excursions. Poor things. They came back with COVID. Yeah. You know, I think all that's passed now. But um, yeah, he's worked tirelessly on lots of projects. It's, you know, the last year and a half has been a really unique season in the life of our church as we've been building a building and fundraising for a building and, and all of those things. We literally signed the last document for our loan. Yesterday, we will uh, sign the, the document, the final contract for the building, probably today. Wow. And next week, we should begin to see some other things on the land. Um, but s- big props to Pastor Tim, our whole staff, Clay, Lauren, Meredith, you know, Sam and Julia serve as volunteers, but um, everybody works so hard. Steve arrives early, stays late to set up yeah. worship, tear it all down. Um, it's it's really beautiful to see, and then we've have a myriad of like ministry team leaders, you yeah. know. So you've got uh, DJ Daniel Cox leading the photography and videography team. You've got Mark Winaric leading our loadout team. Pat Pierce leading load in. Bing leading pray- you know. So I, I I think my heart is just in kind of a constant posture of gratitude for the sacrifice that people are making to propel the Lord's work forward. And it's rewarding. Like, I don't think, I don't think, I think the church ought to get people's best investment, not Mm -hmm. the leftovers. Um, So um, I think, like, I think when people give and sacrifice and go the extra mile, like they're doing exactly what God would have them do. I'm just super thankful for them. Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing the fruit of their labor just in, all the amazing things that god is doing so i feel like grant i mean i feel like all of us on staff and all the ministry team leaders i feel like we feel like the apostle paul who is sufficient for these things yeah right like we don't have it all together we don't have all the answers sometimes we're out of energy sometimes we're out of like a godly spirit you know like we're very limited broken clay pot vessels mm. um but we bring our offering of like our two loaves and fishes to the lord jesus and when we put our when we put ourselves in the hands of Jesus, He multiplies it for His glory. So, mm. love our staff, so thankful for them. Yeah. So somebody that's listening, take one of them out to eat this week. Yeah. Just treat them and tell them how thankful you are for them. And yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for asking about that.
1: Last question that I want to talk a little bit about the sermon. What you, you said, lots of ministry in a new church is experimentation. So oh, grateful for yeah. the space and grace to experiment. What is can you expand upon that? Kind of what's what? Would, what do you mean by experimentation? Are there things that you're kind of testing? Mm, yeah, and kind of
0: that's a good question. Um, I think you know. I I think in a in a in an established church, it's easy to get stuck in ruts, mm. and it's easy to develop a history where people are comfortable that this is the way we've always done it. And so, in 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 established churches, sometimes you find inflexibility. And in a new church like ours, um, just having a, a culture and a posture of experimentation, you know, so it's like, okay, we're going to try this. Well, if it doesn't work, that's okay. Yeah. Like now we know something that doesn't work. Um, I don't know that I have a long list of, I'm trying to think of what might have been on my mind at the time. I think it's just the general sense that I experience and feel. Yeah. That like, there's not this rigid box that we have to fit into, but we really do have the freedom to say, ah, we, we think the Lord might be nudging us, you know, this way. Well, let's, Mm. let's try this, you know? And, you know, I mean, this podcast was an experimentation. The brain dump was an experimentation, you know? Um, The days on the land, they were all experiments, you know, it wasn't like we had a long history of here's a tried, true, proven thing. We're going to, we're going to experiment with it, you know? and Um, um when COVID hit we experimented with the parking lot, you know, and we just um yeah, so um last Sunday I experimented with singing in my sermon. Didn't yeah. go well. <laughs> you learn what works, you learn what doesn't. Are you gonna
1: bring that back for future <laughs> sermons? Any well, any they, songs? So they, maybe
0: when my kids are like at camp. Yeah, so they just don't at their hear, weddings. So that oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> just sing it. That's good.
1: Father daughter dance, father daughter song. that would probably be better.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just think you know it's it's that entrepreneurial spirit, yeah, right, where it's like, okay, hey, let's let's just try a bunch of different things and feel no pressure if it doesn't if it doesn't work. In other words, like I want our like I want our culture as a church to have a freedom to fail. Mm. What I don't mean is we're we're free to fail if we're being lazy. What I mean is is we're free to fail if we're swinging for the fence. Yeah. Right? Like, we're free to fail. We're free to take risks to do something great for God. Mm. And if it doesn't work out like we thought it might, well, that's okay. Like, way to swing for the fence, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's cool. I, I feel like I, I definitely love that culture. I mean, I being in like corporate America, I periodically just kind of look at jobs that I'm, I'm suited for and just kind of dip my toes into the market. And that is a lot of companies like, bullet point on their culture, like, you know, be free to fail, like not out of apathy or neglect, but, you know, have this idea, go big, go try. So I think seeing that in a church versus we're going to hold things close to our chest, do what's safe, do what has been done for maybe, you know, the past 30, 50 years or whatever, but we're just going to try new things. And um, I always think that's cool. Um, Yeah, man. Let's talk the sermon. Romans 8. Yes. I love it. My, Lauren and I have been talking, especially this past week, you know, just verse 16, Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with mm. Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I feel like Lauren and I, you know, we just, just this morning we were praying, we were talking about, you know. Adore.
0: Were you praying with your wife this morning? You talking about no men's discipleship? Men's praying. discipleship it, praying, and, and we had some dudes yes, in the study here. We were praying. We this did, morning. yeah,
1: praying, learning about prayer. You know the ACTS acronym. First, I was, I was gonna
0: with, say you were praying with your wife after rocking the baby at three a.m. Wow, Grant louder. We need to get or, there. We that's wow. probably
1: next step. That's <laughs> probably why she's not going to sleep. Um, I interrupted you. Sorry. No, but and even like on my prayer walks of just. Just looking at this reality, um, and maybe it falls more under thankful of just being, you know, rejoicing that God is so gracious that we're not just saved, mm. but we're heirs. And mm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Watchman Nee, yeah. kind of a Chinese Christian uh, philosopher. But he's he. I think he has a quote that says, you know, I don't want just the forgiveness of sins; yes. I want the deliverance from sins. And so this yes. heirs of like, oh, you're yes. not. It's not just like you die. And you are forgiven, and you get, you know, yes. you get into heaven by the the blood of Christ. It's like, yes, that's true, but also, you're an heir, and it's just like, so we've just been chewing on that, mm. which is just, I mean, you can chew on that, like you are an heir of God, mm. a fellow heir with Christ, of like, so we've just been from that kind of macro perspective have just been. Um, just rejoicing and just settling on that, because I think from there that that's where all the spiritual disciplines flow from. That we trying to pray more as we talk about walking in the spirit, walking in the flesh. Of like, if I'm not just coming from a foundation of like, holy cow, Abba Father, mm-hmm. like you've made me an heir, you've made me a fellow heir with Christ. I get to read your, I get to read the word of God. I get to go on a prayer walk and spend time with you. Yes. Like I'm an heir. We yes. need to talk to the God about his kingdom. Like, like yes. we need to further this kingdom here on earth. So we've just been super pumped about that, but
0: there's so much to explore there. Yeah. It's like, like the concept of being an heir of the eternal infinite God. Yeah, It's yeah. You don't, that's not a small thought. It's not. That's a big thought. There's much to explore. You just said, you know, Watchman Nee talking about like not just getting forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. It made me think of something John Piper once asked. He said, do you want to go to heaven if God is not there? Mm. In other words, do you want to escape hell and enjoy all the gifts but not have the giver? And and, and really to ask, he asked the question a different way. Would you be happy in heaven if God was not there. Yeah. Wow. Is it, isn't
1: there a verse, is it Exodus or isn't there a verse where the Israel, like talking about the promised land, they haven't entered in the promised land. It's like, is it Moses saying, oh, God, yeah. if you're not there, I don't want to go. Oh yeah. And Absolutely. it's just like, holy cow, they've been enslaved sure. in Israel. That's right. And they have this promised land Unless flowing with milk and hand. Me. And he's yes. like, if your presence isn't there, I don't want to yeah. go. Yeah. And you're just like, holy cow. So yeah. Anything from the sermon that you Wanted to add or wanted to, to say in addition.
0: Yeah. You know, I love the podcast because you can always go, Oh, I should have said this, yeah, or yeah. I, I'm, I didn't say this, or I said this wrong in the sermon. So hopefully, all you guys are listening to the podcast too. I, I think the only thing that I would, that I wanted to add from Sunday in talking about fear, mm. I find that a lot of Christians often blame God for sinful meditations mm. like fear um the you know there's a prayer in the psalms that lord let the let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to mm-hmm. you oh god right so there's a prayer what i find is that often christians will play the victim card for things like fear fear is not of god fear is satanic yeah uh, the devil is the author of fear the only fear that's good pure and holy is the fear of god Every other fear is demonic. It's satanic. It's of the flesh, and what I find in the Christian's life is often people will ask God to take their fears away, mm. and then they'll almost blame God when He doesn't take their fears away, mm. like almost blame God for their own meditation of fear. And um, so, I think that's the only thing that I would say is, is okay. Look, like I think I, I had people write out what you're afraid about. Like write it out, and then take it to God. I like. Perhaps I should have said, "Give it to God." Mm. And 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 even with fear, I, I want people to understand. I want people to understand. I, I saw I saw a very well known pastor the other day say, "In like literally, literally the 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 Instagram picture." And I love this pastor. Listen to his podcast. He said, "Anxiety is not sin." and I'm like, well, like that's a pretty absolute statement and Jesus commanded us not to be anxious. Yeah. So I I find it difficult for things like anxiety and fear for Christians to be comfortable with them, you know, to kind of welcome them into their bed so to speak and and you know, like you hear sometimes I hear Christians say my anxiety. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like it's their, it's, it's their like blanket at night. Well, it's
1: a cultural thing. I mean, like with millennials and Gen Z, it's like almost you almost want more of these kind of social, you know, anxiety. I have anxiety, OCD. It's almost like every single person you talk to brings it up, um, whether they clinically have it or not. Right, right. It's just kind of a, it's, yeah, it's like a cultural yeah. thing. Yeah, it's too. kind of
0: become this air that we breathe. And people have like personalized it. Yeah. But but in a way where it's like, they're like claiming it. And Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Mm -hmm. In other words, the life that Jesus set us free to enjoy through his death and resurrection, through the filling of his spirit is not a life riddled with anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's a life with peace. I mean, and God's peace is so profound that the Bible says it passes understanding. That's how Mm -hmm. powerful and supernatural and good it is. And so as a pastor, man, I love our church. I love our people, and I want them to experience the victorious life that's possible through the Spirit of God. So so I want people to hear very clearly, by the Spirit of God, you have the power to put to death the deeds of the flesh, and anxiety and fear are not of the Spirit of God, they are of the flesh. Mm. And I think that that's a really important word, exactly, for, exactly for what you said, Grant. Of it, it, it's kind of a buzz in the culture today, yeah. and um, so hopefully that's a word of hope, a, a word of challenge, because it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. not easy. It's exhausting, and it might take it might take days, months, it might take years to overcome, like that fear. the, the Book of Hebrews says that there's a the, a sin that so easily entangles. Yeah. So it may be that 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 fear is sin in your heart that easily entangles your heart. Um, well, Jesus went to the cross and crushed Satan and crushed our sin. He won the victory over it through his death. We know that because he rose from the dead. Um, so so look to the cross and see the power of God on display. Look to the resurrection and know there is a life that God is desiring to empower you to live by his spirit. And that's what Paul says in this text, right? Uh, he says, by the spirit we put to death, right? Um, the, the deeds of the body. And so it's that dependence. It's that dependence on the Lord. I think people give up way too easily. Yeah. You know, they don't press it. So anyways, that, that's on my heart a little bit is don't ask God to take your fear away and then blame him for you not putting that fear to death
1: yeah yeah Lauren and I have been talking through that too because we I can easily shift the blame elsewhere, but I mean you you taught a few months ago on Ephesians six and just that constant reminder of like this is this battles not against flesh and blood, but against you know, spiritual powers and the principalities and demonic forces to where, you know if i'm feeling these sinful thoughts of like i can i can i can get in this silo of like god why are you doing this versus like there's an enemy who's actively attacking me and so i need to be on guard i need to pick up you know you know the the spiritual disciplines and just fight dirty and just mm. you know hard mm-hmm. because there's an enemy it's not just like god's mm-hmm. you know being some manipulative God who's kind of putting me through something necessarily. But like, there's also an enemy who's attacking me and my flesh who's waging war on me. So like you mentioned, there's like these two enemies that are actively against us to where like, I need to, I can't be apathetic. Um And one verse that is always, and one promise, one promise that has always been so impactful for, to me is First Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation, anxiety, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful mm. and He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation who also provide the way of way escape of escape. And yes. so like like this whole cultural thing of like it's like I am like this one in a one in a one of a kind, which you are one of a kind, but you're also not one of a kind in in regards to, the temptation we actually like, oh my anxiety, no one gets me. It's like it's like, no, that's not true. Jesus experienced every single thing and he promises victory in that through his spirit and such just
0: wait, what we we have so many soft Christians. Yeah. And there's a tension there, right? Because like like the Lord invites us to acknowledge our weakness, but it's mm-hmm. in acknowledging our weakness that we are strong, right? Yeah. So so yes, acknowledge your weakness, but but in your weakness, bring dependence. Dependence upon the Lord and persevere in dependence. You know, there's much to explore here. There's much to explore Mm -hmm. here, and we'll we'll tie a bow on this for now, Grant. But it's the same God that holds us responsible for what we think. I believe holds us responsible for what we feel. And the reason I believe that is because God actually commands emotions. Yeah. When, when the Lord says, rejoice in the Lord always, he's commanding an emotion. When people hear that, that may absolutely feel and seem like, sound like such a foreign idea because they may have never felt in control of their emotions but Paul writes in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. What do you think he wants you to control? He wants you to control your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, right? So so what I'm not saying is that this is easy.
2: Mm.
0: It's not easy at all. That's why Jesus said you have to take up your cross. No, like how hard is it? Execution to yourself. Like, how hard is it? Death to yourself. What's harder than that? Like, that's as mm. hard as it gets. So what Jesus is demanding of us is the hardest thing that could be demanded of us, but Jesus promises to empower us by His Spirit, and that's where this like adoption and heir mm. stuff comes in. It's not it, God doesn't withhold it, right? He, no, he he's got he's so close to us. It's His Spirit testifying with our spirit that we're children of God. We're royalty, so we are equipped for the fight. But it is a fight. Yeah, um, I I don't want our podcast listeners to hear that and go hmm. I disagree. I'm done thinking about that. Hmm. I, I, if you're hearing that and you go, oh, that's the first time I ever heard that I'm responsible for my feelings. Um, I need to think and pray and ask questions about that. So submit us a question. Yeah. Submit us a question.
1: Yeah. I've finished second Corinthians and last thing, and I guess I think we're close to break and then we can, we actually have some questions that we're going to answer Second Corinthians. We have some questions. We do. Yes. Yes. Send him. Submit a question. Text mission to 97,000 and there should be a drop down right on the menu for submit a question right now. Questions. But to go back to what you said, second Corinthians 12, Paul says, my grace, Mm. my, my great, Jesus is saying this. Oh, my grace. My grace is sufficient (laughs) for you. Schmear. 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 My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made Perfect. In weakness. So just such a, such a cool promise to, to, to meditate on, but we'll take a break and we'll come back and answer some. Yeah. Tension
0: is that, is that the spiritual dynamic of dependence and in faith, depending upon the spirit. Oh, it's a tension. We want everything to be black and white. Yeah. But the Christian life is a life lived by wisdom, discernment and the tension of dependence upon God. Mm. Help us Lord. Amen. We'll be right back.
2: Psalm 42, 1-6a through 6a. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God.
1: All righty, welcome back. So we have some updates. We we mentioned the who's your updates who's your daddy, right?
0: Uh, my daddy is Freddie Wyatt and the Sovereign King of the Universe, my Heavenly Father. That's my daddy. Yeah, but who's your daddy?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's the same. Yeah. But DJ Daniel Cox gave us the the background on "Who's Your Daddy" and the origin of that. So yes, he did. 1600s in regards to
0: pr- prostitutes referring Prostitu- to their pimps. I'll let you say it. The no, I mean pastor, that's what yeah. Daniel said. The internet said. The internet said. So if you want so, to trust the internet, but I knew, I knew that like "Who's Your Daddy," like today it's like, it's like a funny slogan yeah, slang sort of. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. Wow, that's that's a great, great sermon title there. Yeah,
1: but like we mentioned, we have questions, and again, if you have questions, uh, maybe just general questions or questions specifically about the sermon text mission to 97,000. There'll be a drop down, and you can send us questions and hopefully we'll get to them and talk to them on the podcast. But we got some questions. We welcome
0: all kinds of questions. All kinds. You can ask questions about Grant Louder, clam chowder's life.
1: Yes. And I'm getting that at church. I was checking in Sarah to childcare and I, and I forget the, the volunteer's name, but she was like Sarah Louder. Sarah Louder clam chowder. And I was like, Yep, that's us. Glad it's I'm glad
0: you haven't put that to death. Glad it's sticking. I don't know how long it will last, but I really love it. So thank you for letting me yeah. you know rhyme with your name. And uh but but you could ask a question about the building. Mm-hmm. You can ask a question about real life's mission or values, you can ask a question about anything about your life, my life, the sermon. Anything. Anything.
1: Yeah. So we got some. Let's do it. Did you want to read the question? Can, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, why don't you read that first question?
1: Okay. So the first question we got, the Bible said, and these are great questions by the way. The Bible says that he will know you by the fruit you bear. But what does that truly look like? I'm sure it looks different for everyone, but can seemingly mundane tasks of a stay-at-home mom, like folding laundry, packing lunches, shuttling kids around and doing the dishes be the same fruit, be the same fruit-bearing as say the work of John Piper or Tim Keller? That Jesus is talking about. So
0: that's a great question. Great question. The Bible talks a lot about fruit. Yes, Grant. When you read this question, what does your mind immediately go to? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I I know there's there's again the Bible talks a lot about fruit. I initially went to John fifteen. I think you're going to take us to a different passage, but I went to to John fifteen, um, and actually, as she mentioned, John Piper kind of expanded upon this and says there's another way of seeing you know, the same thing. Verse 2 in John 15, 2 says, you know, if you don't bear fruit, you don't abide in the vine, and um, also talks about those who love God keep His commandments. And so John Piper, in summation, equates bearing fruit with keeping the commandments of God. Um, and so to, to that question, I'm thinking of, well, you know, the, the fruit is being bore by keeping the commandments of God and loving God, and out of that, keeping his commandments. And so John Piper and a stay-at-home mom, that's the same, like keeping the commandments and loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving their neighbor as their self, and bearing fruit in that regard would be the same. Uh, I think... Later, there's, I think there's maybe a difference between like bearing fruit and then maybe like the works that he has prepared for us that Ephesians talks about, that we may walk in them, and to where that's where I would encourage anyone, wherever you're at, that is the work that God has prepared before you were even born, that you may walk in them and, yeah. and, and rejoice in him. and
0: What text is that? Ephesians chapter 2? That,
1: that's Ephesians 2. I had it yeah. in my notes. Ephesians like, 2.10. Yeah, so after yeah.
0: 8 and 9, for you are yeah. saved by grace through faith. It's... It's a it's a gift of God. It's not of works, so that no man can boast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a gift of God, yeah. who we are created in
1: Christ in Christ Jesus, uh, that we may walk in His works. That we're um, we are His workmanship, workmanship created in Christ created Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus, that we may walk in them. Um, and so, which is just like an incredible passage of like, yes. I'm not like absent from the works that God has in store for me. I'm like I'm walking in them. I am in them, and so. A stay-at-home mom, or someone who isn't full-time ministry, because, or, yeah. or a pastor who's like, "Man, I have a, yeah, a, you know, I work for an HVAC company, and how am I how am I bearing fruit when right. you know Pastor Freddie T's up there preaching the word every Sunday, and he's really bearing fruit, but there's this, I think that's a false like view on what bearing fruit is, yeah. um, But I don't know if that's you, what, what were your thoughts?
0: Well, I, no, I love what you're saying because I think you scratched at the center of this question is there's a perception of these great Bible preachers and teachers who are bearing fruit. In in other words, through their preaching ministry, man, disciples are being shaped and grown and mm-hmm. people are being, you know, coming to Christ and that kind of thing. And so, so singularly seeing fruit in that way, or by seeing that, that vocational ministry is the only sacred work I think is, is, is a wrong perspective, yeah. right? When God put Adam and Eve in the garden to tend it. So God made all work sacred. Part mm-hmm. of what it means to be in the image of God is to be a worker. And um, yeah, I, so so the phrase in the question, the Bible says that he will know you by the fruit you bear. Mm-hmm. Um, that that led me to Matthew 7, uh, 15 through 20, where that, that specific phrase comes up. Jesus' specific teaching here is about false prophets. But Mm. I think that there is a biblical principle here that he's saying is that people in general will be known by their fruits. And a good tree, meaning the soil that has has the seed of the gospel planted in it, good soil, the person that's been born again is going to bear good fruit. But someone that's not born again again, cannot cannot bear fruit. Good fruit. And I love where you took us in John 15 to say, well, so fruit can be understood as obedience. Mm. I think of Galatians two, where Paul talks about the fruit of the spirit.
1: Galatians five.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Galatians five, 22. That's right. Galatians chapter five. And he says, but the fruit of the spirit mm. is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. So I love the question because it's so easy to perceive that yeah, this great preacher, this author is bearing all this fruit. But what we really see in the scripture is that there's there really is no difference in terms of the fruit you can bear mm-hmm. If you're folding laundry and you're doing it filled with the fruit of the spirit, you're doing it as, as obedience unto God of caring for and loving your family. Uh, there's an, there's an emphasis in the scripture, for for women to be caring for their homes. Mm-hmm. work outside the home is not precluded. It's actually encouraged in Proverbs 31. Um, but there is an emphasis and a priority that God gives um, wives and moms to care for their homes. So um, so that's obedience. I, I think about this. I think about a great a great preacher who has massive gifts. But he's really selfish, and he's really short-tempered.
1: And we've seen a lot of scandals blocks. with, you know, gifted fruit bear—quote unquote—fruit bearers. Right. But Sadly. the the yes, you know, the fruits of the spirit might not be anywhere if they're you know affairs right. and things like that. Right. And so what's right. you're a whitewashed tomb, like Jesus says as he's giving the seven woes to the Pharisees, like you're just a whitewashed tomb, right? Dead on the yes. inside, but cool. So, look,
0: yes, yeah. so here you have the great preacher. <laughs> Preaching at a church of twenty thousand people, people are getting saved every every Sunday, and yet he's a jerk, mm-hmm. and he's and he's not kind to his to his wife and kids, and you know, and, and to his team, he's a jerk. You know, like, he, and then you have a mom mm. who nobody sees what she's doing, but the Lord alone, and she's making great sacrifices, and she's working tireless hours, and she's doing it with a heart of Humility mm. and servanthood and obedience to the Lord. Oh, the Lord loves that.
1: you getting me, uh, yeah, that. Oh my gosh, yeah, you're getting, that, yeah, dude, getting that it. is just what's like,
0: coming up for you, Grant Louder.
1: Yeah, it's just, um, uh, just that concept. I mean, yes. just like it, it's just yes. such a beautiful picture. And you're that's thinking about your wife, you think about, I'm thinking about Lauren. Thinking I mean, she has a full time job, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. just like. You know, that's what we, it's just so beautiful who Mm. Jesus like honors throughout the scripture. Like the the woman giving all that she has, just this little penny that she gives. And Jesus is like, she's given way more than any of these people giving like 10%, even if that's 10% is like $10 million or something. Um,
0: It just makes me want to go low. It does. I can't get low enough to exalt him high enough. And, you know, um, I, yeah,
1: and I think that's where I give credit to people like John Piper and Tim Keller because yeah. that's where they, they model that so well. Yes, and just like it's yes. just every time I hear John Piper, te- it's, he's just and Francis Chan is another one I love. They're just like we talked about this morning again, like in the men's discipleship group of you know Isaiah six before God. Like every morning, yeah. I'm just Lord, I you are holy. And I'm a man of unclean lips, but by your grace, you have forgiven me. And so, good stuff. Um, Here's another question. You ready yep, for it? Yep. Go. What
0: are your thoughts on the quote "Once saved, always saved"? And just just ask Jesus into your heart theology. Mm. So, what are your thoughts on the "Once saved, always saved"? And quote, "Just ask Jesus into your heart theology." I grew up believing one thing, but in my early 30s, I began to really question that and wrestle with it. I know what I believe to be to truth. But some serious older Christ followers, whom I respect a lot, see this differently. What do you got, Grant Louder, Clamp Chowder? Yeah,
1: I'll probably lean on you more for the once save, always say. I think I do lean towards. I do believe a true faith is a faith that will preserve, uh, persevere to the end. Um, there are some confusing texts, like Hebrews five going into six, that talk about people who turn away from the faith. So I'm like, what is that? They've tasted. The, the goodness of God, and yet they, you know, they turn away from God. And so therefore for them to repent would be for them to crucify Christ again. And it's like this kind of like, what does that mean? Um, so maybe I'll let you unpack deeper, but I think a true faith does persevere. Once you have tasted and seen that God is good, you know, I've heard someone verbalize this to like, there's no other meal. Mm-hmm. Like you take, you're tempted obviously by the mm-hmm. flesh, but like mm-hmm. you've tasted that God is good Mm -hmm. And there's just not like there, I I wholeheartedly believe that there's Mm -hmm. nothing that will ever. um, And as we are in Romans, there's nothing that can pluck us from his hand. And so that's probably where I would lean in regards to the, ask Jesus into your heart kind of theology. I'm, I'm on both sides. I see the kind of the wimpy kind of culture that we've grown up to grown up in of just like, just, you know, we're not talking about repentance. We're not talking about judgment. We're not talking about these things, and it's just kind of like, "Hey, don't chant, You know, just ask Jesus into your heart, and you know they don't hear the gospel, they don't understand the gospel, they just hear this phrase, "Ask Jesus into your heart," and you're like, "Oh, okay, I'll pray this quasi prayer and ask him into my heart, and now I'm safe." So I, I'm against that. I, I, you know, as we're discussing hearing the gospel, understanding the gospel, and believing the gospel is what's required for faith in Christ. I do. I'm on YouTube a lot. I obviously make YouTube videos, so I see a lot of content creators, very cynical content, Christian content creators, mm. bash that of like, nowhere mm-hmm. in the Bible does it say, mm-hmm. ask Jesus into your heart. But I always bring up, well, Ephesians 3, 7, 3.17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Yes. So as, that's kind of what we go back to is like, well, what is true faith? Is it yes. me as a third grader just asking Jesus into my heart when I don't know that, I'm, you know, sinned against God, and I haven't. So, um, that would be my thought. Uh, so, at the end that. of the day, you need to hear the gospel. People need to understand the gospel, and they need to believe the gospel. That's so
0: good um, to have faith. I think building on that verse you just mentioned, for for the soul that is under conviction, to instruct that soul to ask Jesus into their heart mm. is exactly what they need to do. Right yeah. in faith ask him to come in to receive, receive him as your lord understanding he's lord yeah being under conviction of the spirit that you've made yourself lord you need to repent of being the lord of your life and receive Jesus as lord yes ask him to be to come into your heart but i think you're right like it can be misleading if it just becomes like this easy believism that yeah. that rather than it um, being a response to the gospel it becomes the gospel mm. Right, like I think that's what's happened with that phrase, is rather than that being a response to the gospel, it's a good distinction. People have made it the gospel. Yeah, right. Like, okay, this is how you get saved. Ask Jesus into your heart. Whoa, 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 whoa. What about the gospel? Don't you have to understand the gospel? Don't you have to believe the gospel? Um. Uh, okay, so good stuff. I Yeah, so let me. I'm going to answer this question in layers. I'm going to repeat the question. I'm going to answer it in layers. What are your thoughts on the once saved, always saved theology and the just ask Jesus into your heart theology? I think you nailed it on the just ask Jesus into your heart theology. There's more <laughs> that you could say on that, but I think we would just be saying the same thing in different ways. This person, they said they grew up believing one thing, but in their early 30s they began to really question that and wrestle with it. Uh, I know what I believe to be truth, but some serious older Christ followers, whom I respect, see uh, I respect a lot. See this differently. So let me say this: one of the most beautiful things about real life. I'm going to talk about our church. One of the most beautiful things about real life is that people come from a wide variety of backgrounds, mm. Christian backgrounds. There are uh, Presbyterians, former Presbyterians. There are former Methodists. There are former uh, Nazarenes. There are former Baptists. There are former uh, like Assembly of God. There are former Pentecostals. Uh, They're former Catholics and and all have found a home at real life. I've actually thought about doing this on a Sunday is having the groups stand up as Mm. I call out like their background. And just so folks can kind of see the diversity of folks that have found a home at real life. Well, I love that. And one of our mantras uh, came from like an old ancient theologian whose name uh, escapes me. It's often credited to Augustine, but it's actually a different guy. His name's on our website, on the Real Life website. But it's in essentials unity. This is as we think about theologies, we think about what we believe. Here's what we want real lifers to to apply: in essentials unity, in non essentials diversity, and in all things charity. Mm. Well, I think it's that kind of commitment that can make this kind of diverse expression of real lifers who may have different backgrounds and that might have a little varying perspectives on some of these things um, actually be united in a fellowship together. Um, is let's let's be united in essentials. Let's celebrate, not be threatened by, but let's actually celebrate diversity in non-essentials. Mm. And I think that's what's brought so much unnecessary division in churches and among Christians. Um, is rather than celebrating our diversity we felt threatened by mm-hmm. diversity and we've attacked one another's diversity I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to persuade one another in godly debate to see scripture texts differently to have different interpretations but I am saying to say under the blood of Jesus united in the gospel it's beautiful when we have when we have varying interpretations on particular texts of scripture or ideas and we can still be united in the gospel. Mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. So in in essentials unity, in non essentials diversity, in all things charity. Um, So here's here's what I would say. What what we don't have is we don't have a checklist of where every single doctrine fits in that paradigm, right? Um, We need wisdom. We need discernment uh, to navigate that. Um, But let me address the question on once saved, always saved. This is what I believe (laughs) And I don't think it's necessary if a real lifer disagrees with me that they leave our church. Mm. Okay, let me just say that I'm gonna. So, so First Corinthians 15. Let me. I'm just gonna turn there as I knock this microphone around. Um, the Apostle Paul gives a category that I think, if we're gonna understand the nature of salvation, I think we have to understand this category that the Apostle Paul gives us in First Corinthians chapter 15. So here. Finding my way to 1 Corinthians 15. There it is. Okay. So the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you were being saved, Mm -hmm. if you hold fast to the word, unless you believed in vain. Let me read this again. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul is giving us a category, vain belief. You could describe that in a number of different ways using synonyms, empty belief, fake belief, false belief. Um, but what he's saying here is that there's a particular kind of belief that saves a person. And and as you look at as, as how he describes it, he says, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, he says, that's a saving faith.
2: Hmm.
0: A persevering faith is a saving faith. So the nature of our faith, if it's persevering, that's the kind of faith that saves a man, saves a woman, saves a boy, saves a girl. He says, he says, if you don't hold fast to the word I preach to you, you've believed in vain. You've believed in vain. So I think I think this past Sunday I gave Uh, the illustration from uh, Jesus' parable on the soils. And Jesus gives four different kinds of soils, and two Mm -hmm. of them are soils where it doesn't produce any kind of growth when the seed is planted in the soil. But a a, a third category is where um, it, it springs up quickly. Some life springs up quickly. Some seeming life springs up quickly, but the sun scorches it out, and it doesn't last. It dies. Um. And Jesus compares that to the worries of the world and these other things that squelch out the seed of the gospel from being fruitful. And then he describes a fourth soil where it is fruitful. It grows and it produces. Um, Jesus was giving this parable to his disciples to prepare them for the mission. He wanted his disciples to understand, you're about to go out and you're about to sow the seed of the gospel. You're going to have a lot of people that don't hear it. They don't respond. They don't receive it. Then you're going to have other people that seem to receive it with joy and excitement, but it doesn't last. And then you're going to have people that receive it with joy and it lasts. So Jesus was giving us a category of vain belief. He didn't call it that. Mm -hmm. He, he gave an agricultural image to it, right? Of it, this, it seems like they believe, but then it gets scorched out. So, so we are not, we can't judge this. Time will tell if mm-hmm. the nature of faith is saving faith. And even then, people could have an appearance, right, of, of faith. Only God can judge that. But, but I would say here, I'm going to say, if saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say, oh, once saved, always saved. Well, and, and then, you know, if, if, if we've stripped the gospel down, to, we'll just ask Jesus into your heart. Well then man, we'd deceive people left and right, droves of people in North American churches. If if the gospel was asked Jesus into your heart and once saved, always saved, well, it, you know, it's almost like a, you know, it's like, hey, here's a deal. You can't pass up, yeah. you know, and it and and it means nothing. There's no spiritual rebirth. Um, and and so I would say, if saved, always saved, based on this text, there's another text that I think in scripture that helps us with this, and this is in first John chapter two. In 1 John, I mean, the early church dealt with this. And John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 20, he says, Children, it is the last hour. And, and as you have heard, the, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us because they were not of us. Mm. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They went out that it might become plain that they that they all are not of us, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. So John was experiencing this very thing in the early church. What about these people that said they were Christians and then left the faith? What about these what about these people that walked an aisle, said a prayer, they were baptized. They they quote asked Jesus into their heart. They quote got saved. Well, John said they left because they were never really of mm-hmm. us, right? They, they left because they were never truly of us. Um, so it's really, I really appreciate the clarity here because it addresses a problem that we experience today, right? What about these people? They grow up in church, they make a decision, but then they seemingly leave the faith. Well, John mm-hmm. says they were never of us to begin with. That's what John said, um, so he addresses this exact question, and I think it's really, really helpful. Here's a principle in interpretation, Grant, is we have to allow the texts whose clarity is more easily attained to help us to interpret the texts whose clarity mm-hmm. is more difficult to attain. Now, understand what I said. All of the text is clear. All of Scripture is clear. Now that's gonna that's gonna send some of our listeners yeah. heads spinning. They're like, what? It's not clear to me, right? No, it's clear. God is not the author of confusion. He's not spoken a confusing word. God has spoken a clear word to us. Mm-hmm. The clarity may not be easily attained. So how do we how do we attain clarity on some of these difficult texts like Hebrews? Mm-hmm. How do we attain clarity on that? Well, we go, we go to the texts that whose clarity is obvious. Mm -hmm. It's obvious what's being said here. And John said, they went out of us. They went out from us because they were not of us. Okay, that's really clear. Well, that helps us to interpret what's going on in that difficult Hebrews text, right? Mm -hmm. So the principle of interpretation is let the text whose clarity is easily attained help you interpret the text whose clarity is not easily attained. Here's another clear text, uh, John 10, 27-28 Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Now I've heard some people um, try to interpret this text to be consistent with what they believe. They believe you can lose your salvation. Mm. So they try to they try to twist the meaning of this text by saying, "Well, nobody can take you out of the Father's hand, but you can yeah. jump out of the Father's hand." You know, I'm like, and I'm like, that misses the whole point of this text. It misses the whole point Jesus is trying to make. Jesus is actually trying to make the point that you're secure.
2: Mm.
0: Like that's the point that he's trying to make. Is no, you're secure in the Father's hand. You're in, you, nobody's going to take you out. You're not going to. You're not yeah. going to be able to be taken out of the, the father's hand And then you've, you've got that great text in Romans you know uh, let me see I'm, I'm trying to memorize it with my family grant so let me see if I can you can check me on this Romans 10, 38, and 39 um, for I'm sure that neither death nor life uh, nor um, nor angels nor, uh, nor nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm. So what a great truth, um, that, 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 Paul gives us. So, so what do we do with, what do we do? What do we do with these hard texts in Hebrews? I'm going to give one principle and we're going to put this baby to, to okay. bed. All right. This is deep. Uh, I got this from Dr. Tom Schreiner, new Testament professor at the Southern Baptist theological seminary. Um, Dr. Schreiner said that for God's sheep, for God's elect, for God's children, for the church, for those that have been born again, the warning passages are always effective for God's Mm -hmm. sheep. So the text in Hebrews that's, that's issuing this warning about not falling back into their old way of believing and living He says, for God's elect, those warnings are always effective. Mm. In other words, the same God that adopted us, the same God that justifies us, the same God that sanctifies us, he's the God that sustains our faith, Mm. right? Um, in, In Philippians 1... Paul writes, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it under the day of Christ Jesus. So God is the author, the perfecter of salvation. He's the sustainer of our faith. So how does God sustain our faith? Well, it's not with a magic wand. It's not like poof. Mm. God actually uses means to keep us in the faith. And one of the means that God uses to keep us in the faith are warnings. They're warnings. And the warnings are actually effective. So they, so they actually have the intended fruit to keep us in the faith. It's part of the way God keeps his children in his hand. That's a deep thought. Yeah, People can read about it longer. I think our time's expired today. I think we're, yeah. we're, we're landing the plane. We do have another question. We do. We'll answer that next week. Does that sound Perfect. good? Yep. Grant Louder, Clement Chatter. What any immediate follow-up questions to what you just heard me say in attempting to answer this question of once saved, always saved?
1: No, I liked I like the the principle scripture and I've heard it simply put, scripture confirms scripture. Yeah. And so good. when we have these confusing like Hebrews five, like I mentioned, Hebrews five and six, going to other passages to confirm. Maybe the murkiness of Hebrews 5 and 6. The seemingly murkiness. Seemingly. It's not, but through my mind, I'm like, what is he saying? But yeah, yeah, we right. Have, you have right. to piece all these other verses, um, having scripture confirm scripture. But that's all. I love this stuff. Dude, so good, man. I'm
0: looking forward to next week's podcast. Yep. Uh, folks can te- text us questions about anything. How do they do that?
1: Text mission to 97,000. You should see a drop down. Send your questions about anything, church, church building.
0: Freddie T and I's life, anything. Love it. Love it. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Grant Louder, Clem Chowder. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.
2: Thank you for
1: listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.